Failing. 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 When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. So I am thrilled to be talking to Mary Miller. Mary is the CEO of Jancoa Janitorial Services. That's a mouthful, Mary. They are uh, obviously an award-winning janitorial services company. It's family-owned locally in Cincinnati. They have over 600 employees. But Mary is also a professional speaker and a coach. She, um, She really wants to inspire people to dream big. And she is the author of Changing Directions. And I can say that, actually, Mary, you have inspired me to dream big. I don't know if you're going to remember this, but I first met Mary, I think it was about eight years ago, and you came and spoke to a small women's group. Yes. And you told your story, and I remember leaving there and thinking, oh, my God, I I want to have a story one day that inspires me as much as you did. Yeah. I remember exactly where it was, who was there. Uh, yeah, so thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for sharing that, Sarah, and thank you so much for this opportunity to, to have this conversation and be a guest on your podcast. Awesome. So let's just dive in. We, we've we been talking about what should we talk about today, because when we get together, we can talk about <laughs> so millions of many things. many things, absolutely. Yeah, oh, and listeners, for those of you who listened to our first podcast by Tony Miller, this is Tony's hot wife, as he referred to you. I love that. Um, and so, yeah, so maybe share with us some things that you're really passionate about that um, pertains to failure. You know, there's. I've been thinking about this, Sarah, and I, I enjoy your podcast and have learned, listened to other people talk about that. And failure, I've said frequently, is definitely the impetus for growth. It's only through opportunities to fail that we can learn because we don't pause to reflect to learn from things that go well in life we just keep moving forward so failures is one of the best things for us to be able to do that and really that's the dream manager was totally created because of a big failure we had at Jancoa and Tony and I were in desperation mode we had been fired by a consultant who told us he couldn't help us and we expected him <laughs> to take our business to the next level that's mm-hmm. what consultants do right and on the second day of a five-day contract he came in and said i can't help you you're fired he said you've got to fix your people problems so i think that was one of the biggest failures that's been in our life that's public because i i share that one a lot yeah so when you met with the small women's group um you shared more some personal stuff before you met tony um and i to me, it was an example of the gift of desperation that pushes us to do more. So can you kind of share where what was going on in your life before? You had been divorced. You had small children. Tell us that because I love that story. Well, it's definitely – I've never been on anybody's list most likely to succeed at anything. <laughs> and uh, – Failure and desperation seem to be my motto operandi. How <laughs> what moved me into action? I would try to get comfortable. I was in a comfort trap many times, not happy but comfortable and knowing what to expect. And you know, the year I turned thirty was the year all the wheels fell off in my life. 
and preceding moving up to 30, my life wasn't great. I, I was married at 17, divorced with a child at 19, and by the time I turned 30, that one year, I was going through my second divorce, was a single mom now with three children, lost two jobs, and got an eviction notice on Christmas Eve. Oh so it was not a really good year, but that year is what propelled me into really asking different questions. And that's one of the biggest things for me. And I love having conversations, but my mind now creates a filter to ask, okay, what am I hearing and what am I supposed to do with this that will help move me and help others move forward to be who they're made to be? Okay. How did you know to do that then? Like after Christmas Eve, how? Well, after a long time of really crying a lot, (laughs) And, yeah. and just beating myself up. And I remember one time just standing outside, just crying and literally pulling my hair with both hands, looking up to the sky. My faith has always been strong, but it definitely is different today than then. And saying, what am I supposed to do now? And there was a, a peacefulness that somehow overcame me and realized I'm not in to do this by myself. I was definitely a rugged individualist trying to figure out what I needed to do. There was too much I in my life and really did not feel that I could encompass other people to be part of that journey. As much as I like being around other people, I didn't trust other people, which really means I didn't trust myself, right? Right. Which is really the core of of any of our situations. And, And that was because of the thinking, the stuff that was going on in my head. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from John Maxwell is, we have no control over the thoughts that pop into our brain, but we're 100% responsible for what we do with those thoughts, the actions we take, that six inches between our ears. Mary, can we have a pause for a second? So you said something that um, like emotion washed over me. I don't know if you just saw it, but it did. Um, That rugged individualism, um, can you talk more about that and how that can be good sometimes, but it can also... Uh, be a detriment to people because I went through a phase of rugged individualism and um, didn't work for me. Was that by chance during your entrepreneurial phase? Yes, it was. Yeah, I thought maybe. Yes, Because entrepreneurs, was. we have a tendency to keep our hopes and dreams inside of us thinking because so many times think people will not support us with their words and their actions, so we keep them in our head, and then we try to make something happen, and then things don't work, and we just try something over again. And that's why one of my favorite things I do is as a coach with Strategic Coach, which is for successful entrepreneurs, because we all have that piece of rugged individualism, but it's when we allow our thinking to get out of our head and have conversations with other people that don't look at us like we have three heads, (laughs) but will encourage us and support us, but just to listen to us. And what I have discovered over the years is that there is people in our lives, like our spouses and our family and friends, who really do want to support us and help us, but we don't open up. We don't share that. And when we have that that desperate feeling of loneliness when we're in a group, whether it's with 550 or 500, but we always have that desperate sense of loneliness, it's because we're that rugged individualism. We're keeping that trapped inside. 
Now, I can tell you, I don't have any PhD mm-hmm. that, that tells you any research and all this stuff, but I have experience, and I see it and have experienced it myself way too many times. So how do you get out of rugged individualism? How do you keep a healthy balance of it? I believe that it really starts with taking care of ourselves. You know, it's it's one of the things that we do least often, especially women. Men, I'm not leaving you out of this conversation, mm-hmm. but I bet if you look in your life, you can find a woman that helped you get to where you're at today because that's what women have a tendency to do. We have a tendency to take care of our spouse, our children, even our parents, especially as they age. But usually we'll put ourselves on the end of that. So what I have found that helped me the most is when I was able to hit that pause and not just reflect, but to be able to use that reflection to be able to do something different to take care of myself. Okay. I used to think that meditation, exercise, even spa time was a luxury, but it's a necessity. If we don't take care of ourselves, our universe fails because we die. We have to take care of ourselves first, and then we can do a better job of taking care of everybody else. So it's take care of self. Is it also a reframe of that belief around rugged individualism? I have to do it. it. For me, it was, if I just think positively enough, (laughs) it will happen. I've been called more than once a, a optimist that it's just I'm always just positive and putting that spin on it. and I I really think I'm more ho- hopeful because I don't ignore the bad stuff because it's the the bad things that happen in our life so I was ignoring the bad things yeah like I, I, I did not reflect to the on that. degree it's it's taking that being hopeful that tomorrow will be better but to be able to acknowledge what's not working right because those are totally the golden nuggets that's in the middle of the minutia is where the opportunities lie the best things in my life have happened because I worked through the bad stuff. I didn't let the bad stuff stop me. Okay, can you give me an example? Example, a lot of times, I mean, especially when I got the first divorce, that brick wall went up, I was never gonna be hurt again. I was never gonna trust somebody else. Well, that wall didn't really get thinner or disappear when I got married the second time, (laughs) which was not fertile ground to be able to have a successful relationship because I was just focused on a relationship, that thing. It's like buying a handbag. I wanted a relationship, but you can't really have a relationship with a handbag. Or a pair of shoes. They look really great. And they make you feel good when you first buy it. But then all of a sudden, it doesn't feel so good anymore. Oh, man, how did that go? (laughs) (laughs) But it's really taken that time to, to be able to honor ourselves, to be able to take that moment. See, what happens, everybody has an opportunity. Everybody has different ideas and thoughts about what relationships are and what we want in our life. And then we get disappointed, and this is where we come into a one of those crossroads. Right. We can either keep building that wall and making it bigger and thicker and deeper and more protective so we never get hurt again, or we can reflect on that and decide, okay, how can I overcome this and use this for good? You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, what even in the Bible it just popped in my head, you know, what others meant for evil, God meant for good. 
You know, Joseph Mm -hmm. didn't know when he was thrown into the well by his brothers what his future was going to be. But if he hadn't been thrown into that well, where would his future have been? Would that have ever happened? So if I hadn't gone through those experiences that created great pain and uncomfortable, I would never become who I am. And that's the one thing that I think that is so important, you know, with relationships with ourselves first, to be able to work through that and to honor ourselves and not to minimize who we are and who we're meant to be and let loneliness and that desperation take over. Yeah, the isolation piece. Yeah. And that's the self-made. Isolation, there's people that care all around us. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, what type of lifestyle you have. There is somebody in each of our lives that cares enough that if we reached out and say, hey, I really need to talk right now, do you have a few minutes? They would. Absolutely. So we've kind of gone down this string of relationships. So I want to know, what was the difference between marriage number one and two and marriage number three with Tony, because that one's lasted, and that one has brought up forth a lot of fruit. Oh, and it's been so easy. <laughs> Do you giggle sarcastic? Yeah, a little sarcasm there, right? Tony and I just celebrated 26 years. Actually, it'll be 27 this close, the end of the summer. So we've really worked on it, and it's not always been easy. But when I first met Tony... I knew I wanted something different in my life. I had hit that pause enough. I had been single enough with the three kids that, and I had gotten a a position. That's when I started my path into entrepreneurship. I knew after losing those two jobs in 93, or no, in 88, that I couldn't keep doing things the same way. I just knew it. It Like, why did you lose them? I was going to ask you that before. The first one, they had rights they downsized they eliminated the division that i ran middle that i ran operations on i was middle management they found positions for all the people that re- reply referred to me that reported to me and they found positions for the people i reported to okay so that middle management disappears quickly when there's reframing and restructuring and that's i was that definitely is what happened to me and then the other job was one that I had found when I lost that one. And it wasn't because I loved the company. I was looking for a job. Right. Kind of like it. I was looking for a husband previous. <laughs> the second job was like the second husband. It really was not what it's I wanted. Funny. Just I needed a new handbag. So I, needed... <laughs> so I went out to find one. And it, it wasn't. I didn't ask myself, okay, what do I want my life to be like? If it was three years from now, yes. and looking back, what has to happen for me to be happy? And I finally started asking myself these questions differently. Yes. So I was looking at opportunity differently. And it actually, I had given up and decided I didn't need a man. I had gotten a job, 100% commission sales, with single mom with three kids not getting any support. My parents were really thrilled with that decision. Oh my and I was successful at it. I was doing well. I was able to get a nice condo with three kids, have a nice car, have nice clothes, and all of a sudden realized, you know what? This is going to attract a different type of person into my life. We all have this magnet inside of us, and sometimes we have to recalibrate it. Because if we if we stop right now and take a look and make a list of everything in your life that's going well, we way too often focus on what's not working. But what's everything that's going well in our life today? 
I love that. And I'm then writing we ask that ourselves, down. what is it we're doing that's attracting that into our life? That's not a coincidence. No. You know, that, that great new sale that you just had, that great new friend you just met, the things that are going on in your life and career that you're enjoying. Yeah, there's stuff that's not working, but start with what is working. Okay. And what are you really grateful for that's going on? And what can we do to replicate that? What can we do to attract more of that? Right. And I remember really clearly going down the the expressway with three kids and a a man that I knew drove by me in his Jaguar and he was with his uh, spouse and another couple in the back seat. And I'm like, what would I have to do? Just thinking to myself to attract things that would bring that into my life. Fun, success, whatever that looks like to you. To me, it means not having to worry about what I'm going to eat tomorrow and to have enough money to be able to take care of my life and to be able to help others a bit. And I had been in desperation mode. And I didn't want to stay there. So so it's a couple things. It's asking yourself, um, what do I want in my life? And then what's going well and how am I attracting it? And then I would think that there's also some discipline with that too. Right. Like, okay, instead of getting sidelined or distracted by other things, it's it's intentional every single day to focus on. Right. Yeah. And but I I prefer to think of it as our habits. Okay, because discipline is something that our brain thinks, oh, God, I have to do this. And I have to do this discipline to do it. Okay. And habits, if you look at your life today, it's an accumulation of the habits you have. So if you want different results, you have to change your habits. And it's not, discipline is just a repetition of your habits. But habits doesn't feel as strong of a, you have to do this. But don't, in order to create a habit, don't you have to have some discipline so that it then clicks? Structure. 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 The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg is a great book. The Power power of of Habits. Okay. And then along with that book that really aligns with it nicely is the willpower instinct. Because people think that if I have enough willpower, then I can be disciplined to get the result that I want in my life. And it doesn't matter if it's about relationship, diet, or exercise, or finances, which I think are the four biggest pillars in our life that either make us happy or miserable. (laughs) Wait, wait. So what's the willpower thing again? It's the willpower instinct. And I can't remember the author of that one. Okay, but 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 that is saying what? Those, to me, align themselves because our willpower can be eaten away. If you decide today that you wanted to start a brand new exercise regime and you're putting all your energy and your willpower into that, then something else that you've done in your life that's worked really well, all of a sudden will disappear. Maybe you've always gotten up at a certain time in the morning and you've just created that habit, but now you're going to redirect that energy into focusing on something else. All of a sudden, you may find yourself getting up later that because you're using all the energy for something else. Okay, okay. So those two books together really kind of wrap my head around looking at things differently. Okay, so with the habit, what you're saying is like you have to, if you create a new habit, another habit might change a it little might. bit. It might. So we have to be really aware of what's going on in our lives and and not to allow other habits that support us in success to fall on the wayside. Our awareness can really change what we do and how we do it. 
So if we're only focusing on this one thing, that hyper-focus that all of us with ADD recognize quickly Mm -hmm. can distort us and distract us from what's already working in our life. So so can I give a personal example? Sure. So for me, because I have a full-time job, and I do my side hustle, these podcasts. I have been talking to my coach about the fact that I want to do more work on the podcasts. But sometimes there's just not enough. I don't create enough time in the day. Right. So I'm I'm thinking like, well, and I get joy from this. Right. So, so how do I do it? So when you look at your life on a, say you, you created a perfect week. Yes. And you have the 40 hours of your full-time job. Well, it's usually more than that, but yes. But then put it on paper. We have to get our thinking out of our head. As long as I keep thinking in my head of what's going on and I don't put it on paper, yeah. my imagination will always distort it. Okay. 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 Our imagination okay. loves to make things more negative than what it is. Our critical voice is always louder than our inner coach. Yes. Ariana Huffington one time, I loved it. She When she was in Cincinnati speaking, she said that she often thinks of her inner critic as the obnoxious roommate that won't leave. <laughs> <laughs> and but that was such said, a great visual. But I like this quote. You said the inner critic is louder than... Than our inner coach. Mm-hmm. And we have both. Right. But we always give, for some reason, as human beings... We have a tendency to give that inner critic more energy and more power than the inner coach. Okay, I know. So then how do you switch And so what if that inner coach is really the spirit trying to move through us and we're shutting it down? So how do you give the inner coach Being aware. Get it out of your head. Whatever our thinking is, get that out of our head. Put it on paper. Document it. Then it becomes a tangible that you can make into a reality versus just a thought that can get distorted. So so when you're saying, when I write it, am I writing the inner critic or am I writing the inner coach? You can do it either way. You could write write down what you want, like the perfect week. Okay. So you're talking okay. about how to have more time and bandwidth to do what you love to do. Right. Right? So what I do, I have this structure that I use from Strategic Coach with my time. Free time always comes first. So when do you take time where you don't do any business at all? Because our brain cannot rejuvenate if it's thinking too hard and trying to figure out all the answers. Okay. It needs downtime. So when you're working at this a seven, looking at your seven-day schedule, yes, and there's going to be exceptions to this rule, but let's make this the medium that that we do. So start okay. with your free time. Okay. What when are you going to take 24-hour periods, midnight to midnight, where you do no work at all? So so in that. You said, look at your perfect week. Mm-hmm. What then you said? Start with free start time. Start with free time. Okay. Okay. And then focus time. What is it you enjoy that you and your business loves to do that makes you successful in your business? Okay. You know, how often, if you looked over the past two weeks, yes, how much of that was just busy work that wasn't really part of your role, that wasn't helping the business be more successful or you to be more successful? That was just busy work and stuff that we end up doing that kills time. Yeah, probably too much. Yeah. So really, when you have focus days, you're spending 80% of your day doing really what you're supposed to do. Okay. 
And then you have buffer time where you take time to plan and prepare. Because if you if you have structured and you plan out what you're doing on the job and you go in intentionally knowing what your day is going to be laid out to do right. and what's going to happen, you take time to really plan and prepare so you have great free days as well as great focus days. And you do that work to be able to make things happen. Then you can create the rest of the schedule for the me time. Okay. The me time, there's free days. I mean, you can have me time on every one of those days during the week. And this is... Do you do that? I do. This is my strategic coach structure. And I could be better at it, especially getting it out of my head onto paper. But I do delegate a lot of that. My assistant really handles my schedule and my calendar. And we, we do take time to hit that pause and say, okay, where are we now? Am I in the right direction? Am I spending too much time in these other pieces and these other areas? So that I can redirect. Because we get off path as human beings. We, right. we get distra- I get distracted by squirrels easily. Uh, uh, I call <laughs> it the shiny penny my- syndrome. And, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it impacts so, all of our lives. Uh, and then, uh, like, the other day, I, I haven't been able to do much strategic work, you know, with regards to my department and what we're going to deliver and things like that. And so I took a half day, didn't go into the office, went to a space where I could really focus, wasn't checking email or texts, and it was great. Yes. And I miss it. I haven't been doing that regularly. So you put it on your calendar. And that's one of the things that I have gotten much better at. We need to treat ourselves and the things that we need to do to protect ourselves as important as our most important customer. You know, when we have an important customer, we put that on our calendar. And if somebody else calls and says, hey, can we do lunch or can we get together? We say, no, I'm sorry, I'm already I'm not available during that time. But if that time is something for us, we have a tendency to give that away. Right. And that we have to stop giving ourselves away because we can't be great at anything in our life if we're if we don't value ourselves and don't take care of ourselves. You know, that's so funny because I was trying to meet with my coach the other day and she said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't meet with you at this time because I'm meeting with my trainer and that's important to me. Yeah. And my first response was, well, am I not important to you? Like, we've been trying to get a date and like, come on. And then I'm like, no, yeah. that's important to her. Absolutely. And, and we I don't want always it. have to tell people why the no is. Right. That's and, Yeah. But I, you know what the lesson for me was? It, it was... Clearly, it was a rub because I need to be doing more of that for myself. And How can she okay do that for it. her and you're not doing it for you? Right, right. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, this was kind of cool. This is sort of off tangent. But the other day, somebody said to me, I'll take Fridays off. Um, and I'm not every Friday, but I have PTO for it, you know. And a coworker was like, you know, you really inspired me. I don't take enough time off. And by you doing it, it allowed me to to feel like I could do it, too. Absolutely. We really work hard at Jan Coeff with our upper-level managers to have three-day weeks, three-day weekends, at really? least twice a month. So they they worked. We told them what we wanted them to do to have more free time because we're a 24-7 business. They always work more than eight hours a day. It's closer to 10, and that's probably minimum. So we want them to enjoy that. So we told them, you figure out the schedule. You just can't use Tony and I as backup 
for right. when you're going to be off. So they have this schedule, and some take Fridays, some take Mondays, and they alternate the weekends. So they can have three-day weekends at least twice a month. And it's worked really well. And we are trying to make that to happen more yeah. because it's so important for all of us to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And you can't be your best version of yourself if you don't take care of yourself. Yeah. Not in any of those components, not with your relationships, not with your business, not with your family, I mean, in spouse or ourselves. Right. So it's a really important part. And I'm always it's trying to create that balance of prioritizing. So if you figure out your your ideal week, yes. and then you can have your exceptions of what you're doing and manipulate with it, that's your recipe. Like how often do you cook and you look a recipe and you say, oh, I'll make this change and I'll make that change. It's the same with our schedules. We're in charge of our time. Right. Nobody else is in charge of our time. Nobody is standing over you saying, you have to do it this way, except for the voice in our head. What's the most recent thing, because I'm sure you've read many books on time, but what's the most recent thing that you've learned around time that you've applied for yourself? I think the most recent thing was actually the trips. The month of May was the month of mind-bending learning for me and for Tony. We spent some time, and we did this last year, too, where we were gone for 25 days. Wow. And realizing in this year we were gone for 20 days, and we just know that when we take care of ourselves and our relationship and trust that everything else is going to be taken care of, we really don't have to be there to make things work. But when we're there and we're at our best, then our team values that too and our customers. So we really try to live by example and try to get people to do things on our team and in our lives to go after and be who they're made to be, to go pursue those dreams. Don't just don't write it down and hope one day that'll happen. What do you have to do that's moving toward those goals and dreams? Because I think the goals are the step, stair steps, so to speak, to achieve the bigger dreams that get us real excited in life. And we stop getting excited when we fall into the doldrum of routine and every day looks like the next. But when you have an ideal week pattern, yes. recipe, so to speak, and you adjust as you need to, then at the end of the week and every day, acknowledge what went well. You know, I started earlier talking about making that list of everything that you appreciate that's going well in your life and building on it. That gives you the energy to then make the list of what's not working the way you want it to, and you'll have the energy to overcome that. It's the same with your schedule and with your weekly life. You know, you've heard the old saying, Sarah, what's the best way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. <laughs> You know, in life, we way too often try to sit down and just consume that big elephant. And when we can't do it, we say, oh, this doesn't work and just give right. up. <laughs> but I think you're right about that daily reflection. And maybe if even if you don't have that into your practice of daily reflection, maybe it's every other day. But Lisa Knutson, who we both know and love, yes. her best advice to me uh, was write down three things every day. Gratitudes, affirmations, and if today is great... When today is great, it will look like X, Y, Z. Yeah. And and it's really cool to look back and see those things come to fruition. There's a so many different ways you can do that. But I have a friend, UJ, that has a great book that you can get on Amazon. It's a five-minute journal. Now, I don't care who you are. It's a, the, just a five-minute five minute journal. journal. 
And it's a great structure that at the end of each day, and he just came out with one for kids. So you can get kids into the habit of being able to celebrate the successes each day. That's a great gift. It is a wonderful gift. To give somebody. Absolutely. So, yeah, the the five-minute planner is an awesome book that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how tired you are or how late it is. You can take five minutes instead of checking your Facebook. Yes. (laughs) Totally. Or something. Check your own book. He needs Check to have an app life. for that. It yeah. needs to be an app. But, you know, there's something magical I know about, about writing, writing things down. I, agree. I had a client once who's a neurologist. And I told him, I said, is it true that writing things down are more powerful than technology and apps? And he said, absolutely. The fatty part of our our hand by our thumb that is used when we write to guide the pencil is directly connected to our brainstem. So it does neurologically. No, neurologically it connects. So that's why when you write things down, you remember them better because there is a direct connection. I knew that if you wrote it down, you remembered them better. So I think that's the power, especially with this five-minute journal, is to take that time to write things down. And when you write positive things down before you sleep, you sleep so much better. It's better than any sleeping pill. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love, I love that. Okay. Um. Can you share with our listeners what you taught me this week around the one word, your one word that you're (laughs) focusing on? Because I've shared it with people at work and now our whole HR team, not everybody, but we have our one word. That's awesome. I have been doing this for a while and now there is a website, intent.com, that you can get bracelets with the word on and different or necklaces or that. But I've been doing it for a few years. I've had focus in the past. I've had spark was last year's word. It just takes a little spark. People don't change just out of the blue. Something sparks them to think differently, and then they do differently. It always starts with the thinking, but a spark typically will change that thinking. Like your podcast will spark different thoughts and ideas to do things differently. And this year, my word is content. Content was a really important word for me this year because I suffer from the FOMO. (laughs) I suffer from FOMO, too. That's why I don't check Facebook anymore. Yeah, the fear of missing out. I want to be everywhere. And I enjoy so many different things and have more opportunities to do so today with being an empty nester. All my kids are grown and get to enjoy grandchildren today. And the second generation's really running the day-to-day for the business. So I have more opportunities. So I have more possibilities. So content was a really important word. And in the research, I always kind of dig up a little bit about, okay, what does this word really mean? What are other people saying? Because I was struggling. How can I be content when I'm still pursuing the best version of myself and wanting to do that? Is that a balance? Is that even possible? And what I have found is it is. Content has been really powerful for me because instead of being afraid of missing out on other things, I'm present more. Oh. And I'm, I'm prioritizing, okay, I have three opportunities and, you know, easy way to do is write those things down on paper and, and look at them instead of just keeping on the head, put each one on a sticky note and which one at the end of the day, if it was already a month away, which one would I look back and say, I'm so glad I did that mm. and just yeah. be content with that decision and be present there instead of thinking about the things I'm not at. When I'm here with you, I'm thinking about what's what we're talking about and the audience and what are they hearing, 
instead of worrying about, oh my gosh, I'm moving Thursday. I need to get packed. Right. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> because that little critical voice in my head is always nipping at me. Yeah. It doesn't go away, but we can minimize that voice and increase that voice of the inner coach saying, this is what you're supposed to do today and just enjoy it I... and be content with where we're at. I love I love summing up with the inner coach and the inner critic because that's a big aha for me today. Yeah. And how do I focus on that? And like you mentioned, you know, writing it down, getting it out on paper. But is there anything like even after you get it out on paper, how else do you keep that inner critic in check? Well, the positive, that five-minute gratitude, yes, that totally diminishes the inner critic. Okay, okay. Because at the end of the so day, write it what out most then... people do when their eyes close, start doing an inventory of all the things we didn't do during the day right. instead of what, we, what did happen and what worked well. So when you take that time to, to feed the positive of what yes. went well, feed the gratitude of what went well, then you attract more into your life. Okay. And you have more energy to do the things you want to do because when you're thinking of all the things that you didn't do, what kind of energy is created? Negative. Negative. And right. how much how much willpower or habit or discipline do you have to do the other things to go after that you want to do? Not much. Gratitude gives you confidence which creates energy. It's like jet fuel. So I just heard a podcast talking about getting back to neutrality. Mm -hmm. So his whole piece was um, not negative, not positive, but neutral. Because if I'm in neutral, then I I don't have unmet expectations and I'm not disappointed. Interesting. Um, and, And actually, I get a lot out of that because I can tend to go high, low, high, low, high, low pretty quickly, you yeah. know, and then I can bounce back up. Um, but what if I, I tell our team, no, that makes total sense. And and I think it's the 80% That's content. rule. I think it's the 80% rule, though, too. And don't, But don't you think neutrality is content, is being cont- content with what is and being present? I have to think about that a little bit more because my immediate thought is then there's no emotion whatsoever. I, I think it's an 80%. If you can be 80% doing like I have a thing with 600 employees and all this stuff going on, there could be a tendency for drama. Yes. You know, I know that would be a surprise when you're around that. <laughs> there could be drama. <laughs> and we try to pre- systematize the predictable. And that's what I'm talking about with your perfect week okay. is to systematize the predictable that you know that's going on in your life. And then you can adjust for the 20%. Okay. And I think there's always going to be the highs and lows. I think if you think of a, a, a woven piece of material and the way everything the fabric is you want to have that thread because if everything was coming it'd be boring know, and that's that's I the know. part that comes to me is if it was and always then you miss out on the joy. neutral yeah because you can't experience great joy unless you have sorrow and the the deeper the sorrow or grief like I lost my father this past year and Monday will be the first time that my mom has celebrated her anniversary without her spouse and there's you know, there's still grief there. Mm-hmm. There's deep sorrow. But we celebrate the great joy and we'll be celebrating with mom to have these conversations about the fun times that we had with dad. And if it wasn't for all those fun times, we probably wouldn't be feeling the sorrow of being without him this time. Right. So that's important to allow ourselves to have emotion. But we can't let the emotion control us. 
And I think that's the important part. We have to be in charge of the emotion. And when something happens, you can't ignore it or deny it. Because it just is. Exactly. We have to be human beings. We have to be who we're made to be and not to try to be who we think we should be. And I think that is so important. We are all made, I think our biggest adventure in life, we all have these dreams inside us. We have the talents and skills to achieve that. But a lot of the times they're just buried under the surface. I had this amazing trip to Israel last month. They found a synagogue in 2006. Okay. A couple had bought this lentil farm. And as they were excavating, they, they found this. And so they're still working on it today. But it had been buried from earthquakes and mudslides, and it was 18 inches under the surface. Oh, my gosh. This amazing synagogue that is in um, Medalla okay. over in Israel by the Sea of Galilee. And I just couldn't help to think that's so much like us. We have these amazing talents and skills and dreams just under the surface that we're so focused on doing what we think we should do or what other people told us we should do that when we take that time to reflect, to celebrate what worked well, be grateful what's going on in our life, feed the inner coach, we start opening that up to allow those things to come forward and to be able to have the quality of life we've always dreamt of, always wanted, but didn't know how to pursue it. Well, I think that's perfect ending. <laughs> oh my God, I get yeah, right. Do you, did just, you feel that? Absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't matter who you are. You know, I spoke last month to a, a group of four hundred entrepreneurs at a luncheon, and then I, last week I was in L.A. at a high maximum security prison that had fifty prisoners. From that are Gosh. in there for 50 to 400 years. I mean, and there was 19 of us entrepreneurs pouring into these people, men who'd never had that life poured into them. They, their quality of life is bad. Dreams were never even considered. But everybody needs to be, whatever right. our situation is, our humanity's there with us. And that synagogue is there. That synagogue is there. That synagogue is there. Yeah. Okay, Mary, I like you a lot. Thanks oh, for being here the today. Feelings mutual, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> Great. I really, I love having conversations, and I just believe that each one of us have gone through things in our life that has impacted us, positive or negative. But it's not about us; it's about what we do with it that will serve others, that makes our life work better. So I appreciate the opportunity to try to feed into others, to help others, and hopefully they can get to where they're meant to be, faster, easier, bigger, and better than what it's taken me. Thank you. I got a call from like a second cousin of mine yesterday whose brother is unfortunately dying of colon cancer. Mm -hmm. And she said, I want you to know that I've been binging the podcasts, and I just listened to Kirk Perry's podcast around – dealing with challenges and she said I wrote down quotes and I emailed them to my to my sick brother uh, to give him inspiration so I really believe in this work and I think it's people like you and Kirk and all the and Tony and all of our our guests who are feeding others we might not hear it all the time but but it's happening so thank absolutely you for being here is there anything that we missed that you want us to share want to share well one of the things that I just would like to say is that 
a friend of mine coined this, and I love it, Jason, thank you. But he said that we're all drowning in connections but starving for community. And I think that the relationships wow. in our lives is Say that it community. Again. Hold on. We're, Say it again. We're drowning in connections but starving for community. So what's the difference? Connections is Facebook likes. Distant, not personal, not emotional. But the community is that relationship component where we really understand each other and try to help and support and encourage each other. And the vulnerability piece is in community, not in connections. Exactly. So I think that through these podcasts, through the things that we do every day in our life, we can create more connections that can develop into community. Mm. And that's really our goal at Jancoa is to create a community where they feel like this is something that we help take care of each other and makes a difference. Love it. So thank you for helping take care of me and so many others. Thanks, Mary. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, Anna Bolke, our producer, and the incredible team at Gwyn Sound. If you liked this episode, please, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and write a review. 